This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the overcast and rainy hill country of Texas. Today, you and I are getting on a plane, and we are flying back to Oahu, and we're going to interview former state representative Bob McDermott, who is battling against Agenda 2030 and its campaign to shove radical ideologies down the throats of not only students in Hawaii, but in your community. What, you know, I founded this podcast to advocate for communities that are vulnerable. Your family is vulnerable because right now, powerful, wealthy, influential institutions, organizations are trying to divide your family to make your family easier to exploit. You're, you're a vulnerable community. You and your children, your family, you're vulnerable. And there is a war to break your family apart. And not, for nothing good, they want to rip your children from you, um, not because they're worried about you, but because they want to exploit your child. All right? So we're going to talk to uh, Representative uh, Bob McDermott about Agenda 2030's war on your children. And uh, But before we get to the interview, this episode is being brought to you by uh, the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world has left. Go to thegreatcampaign.org, see our work in Nigeria, Sudan, Afghanistan, our work to defend the child in the womb here in the United States and across the West. When you are a monthly donor of the Vulnerable People Project, you can bet you are standing with the most vulnerable people in the world during their most challenging times. And we need you to stand with us as we stand with them. So go to thegreatcampaign.org and please become a monthly donor. This episode is also being brought to you by Epoch Times. Go to ireadepoch.com, use the code Jason Jones, and you get your first month for only a dollar. Okay, so Bob McDermott and I go back to when I was a college freshman and I was elected to chairman of the Young Republicans and went down to his office. He has been a leading voice for family and life in the state of Hawaii for over three decades, and now he is battling against Agenda 2030 and its war on our children. Here we go. Representative Bob McDermott on the Jason Jones Show. Former State Representative Bob McDermott, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Hey, Jason, thanks for agreeing to have me on. I know you're a champion of the vulnerable in a myriad of ways. People have no idea of what you do, the breadth of it, and you're busier than a one-legged man in a potato sack race. So thank <laughs> you for taking the time to, to have me on today. I appreciate it. No, Bob, well, it's great to have you on. You know, you were, uh, you're, you are, I don't know if this is a compliment, an insult, a backhanded compliment, but you are the I've met a lot of politicians. You are the best politician I've ever met. You got elected in two districts in Hawaii over three decades, served 16 years. Um, you, the last district you were in was probably 
solidly Democrat, but you held that seat until you decided yeah. to to run for a higher office. And and I think you could, in any other states, you would have been governor or, or U.S. senator. But um, well, you're always fighting an uphill battle in Hawaii, and you were always fighting for life, and you always took the courageous stand for, as we would say in Hawaii, for a keiki. And oftentimes you'd be the only guy battling against obscene nonsense but now it's it's like it's never been more crazy. Well, it is. And uh, first, just thank you for the compliments. The secret of my success is the same secret you have, a good wife who supports us and loves us. And that's uh, the key to everything, and your family, your children. And you do it because you you care about the next generation, uh, your kids. I mean, you have kids still in elementary school, I guess, right? So yeah, it's, it's a battle. But Jason, what I want to talk about is how this transgender sexualization of our children, I like to call it sexualizing the innocent, came about. And and if you notice, it happened all over the country, all at once. Schools are supposed to be locally controlled, right? Every school has a school, every school belongs to a school district, and the parents have input on what is being taught to their children. So to see this pop up in West Virginia and the Dakotas and, and uh, you know, California, we expected, and they have long been lost. But other states, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Even Virginia, they were the first one out of the gate with this nonsense. So in a nutshell, here's how it happened. The last tranche of COVID money in uh, January, February of 2022, the last boatload of money had a huge educational component. This is just money for the schools. So much they were. I was I was in office at the time. We were swimming in money, so much so from the feds. Um, and, and there was a caveat though. You get all this education money, but 20% of it has to go to social emotional learning they call that SEL and uh, there are broad guidelines for that the federal DOE has gotten pretty smart and uh, they classify all this transgender nonsense and the sexualizing of your children uh, to to, to um, class all under title nine right and then at the same time concurrently a, an opinion came out by the U.S. Deputy Attorney General, some no-name Biden slug in there, said, you know, if, if parents get in the way of their child's gender identity or gender-affirming treatment, i.e. if they want to have a sex change operation, then the, then the state can remove the children from the parents' care. And this has happened, of course, as you know, and particularly in California. Kids have been pulled out of their home. Uh, and there's cases where divorced couples, the father says no, the mother says yes, the mother goes to CPS, and the father can't even visit the child anymore. That's how crazy it's gotten. So let's talk about, so that's how it's occurred everywhere. So these educational bureaucrats simply nod their head. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, oh, it's, it's unconstitutional if we don't do this. So, uh, you know. The, the spectrum, and this is so broad, uh, and the, the media by and large is not reporting it. Just a few things here and there, but by and large they're not reporting it. It's, it's pervasive and no, it goes you know, across the – On that note, Bob, I saw 
a mat there was a massive protest outside of New York in New York City outside of their public libraries against transgender story hour. Massive protest. What made this protest really exceptional was it was led by I hate using these letters. I hate, but it's just the alphabet people, the LGBTQ plus transgender community led a massive protest against Transgender Story Hour, calling it groomers. You know, it was so strange to see old white guys dressed up as women with New York accents yelling at, at clean cut white guys in suits who are the politicians leading the way for the Transgender Story Hour. And there's this there's this guy with five o'clock shadow and earrings dangling earrings in a dress going, you're a bunch of perverts and groomers. Don't do this to the kids. You're a bunch of perverts and groomers. I'm like, wow, this is an interesting news story. This should be a big news story. Completely hidden from the press. Silence. Yeah, the media is totally compliant. We've been saying that for years, but now they don't even try and hide it. It's just breathtakingly well when you i you know i don't even want to bring this up a lot of the things you've battled in hawaii and i have to give you credit it takes a bit of shamelessness just to engage in the battle because it's just gross and for the folks listening um uh state representative bob mcdermott led the charge in hawaii when they literally re they in the curriculum in the schools they wrote that you know if if you're Children are listening and, and you want to protect their ears, just turn it down for about the next 10 seconds on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, they they claim that the anus was a reproductive sex organ. And yeah, they, they call it a genital, they, they call it a which genital. is a medical term. And I talked to doctors, so I saw that and I knew it was baloney. And this is 2015, seven years ago. Yeah. And and I knew it was baloney and I... I uh, called doctors. I met with them. And first the reaction was disbelief. Uh, then they would laugh at how, how anybody could be so stupid. But then I would ask them, well, would you sign my report saying this is incorrect? And the guys in Hawaii were afraid of this fellow out in Kapolei. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, the P flag guy. His first name is Michael. Uh, <laughs> he, he, they're afraid he's going to protest their, their doctor's office and get people out there, and they got kids in college. They have people they employ, so they said, Bob, no, please, we don't want to. So I had to go to the mainland to get California doctors uh, to, to sign it, and they did. But they were just stating what's in the medical literature. The anus is part of the repro- uh, I'm sorry, gastrointestinal tract, not the reproductive organs. It's gastrointestinal. It's an excretory organ. Well, of course, we all knew that. So why is this in a pregnancy course, right? And then uh, just to go a little bit further on it, they omit, fully omit the elevated risks of these, I'm going to call them bizarre behaviors, these behaviors that are not normal. They're just not normal in the course of things. I I never even knew about this stuff until I was in the Marines, right? And then then it was always kind of like the butt of a joke. Uh, So I didn't know people actually did this. But they, they wanted 10-year-old children to learn about it. And what's ironic is the age of penetration in Hawaii, it's illegal to penetrate a child under 14. It's illegal. So why are you telling 10-year-olds about this and fully but, omitting the risks? But you were there, Bob. You remember in 99 and 2000, there was a big push in the state of Hawaii to lower the age of consent to 12. Yeah. Driven well, by the Democrats, I was Mark Moses' chief of staff at the time, but I wore this 
I wore a shirt. I, I, I unbuttoned it to my navel. I put on a gold chain. And I, oh, I actually goodness. went as chief of staff. I don't know if you remember this. As chief of staff for Mark Moses. And I testified in support of lowering the age to 12 because love is love. And if I find it at the park or at the school, that's my business and who should get in da, da, da. And the, the, the Democrats didn't find that that was cute. But these are the same people that 20 years, 25 years ago, were working to lower the age of consent to 12. Well, and, and it's, and it's 14 in Hawaii, which is already unbelievable. Right. And it has a... So the way they get it, Epstein they, Island should have just been Oahu. <laughs> no, Epstein should have yeah. just set up shop in Oahu. The guy <laughs> would have had no problems. Well, they. So this goes into our larger point here. What What is the purpose of all this, right? What Why are they doing this? And And uh, the way they get around the local school board, of course, is they claim it's a federal mandate. Well, if they take the money, yes, it is. So they're all addicted to the money. So they take the money and they implement this. SEL. And what this is, is the United Nations, uh, and I'm not going down a rat hole here, but it, it, the United Nations Agenda 2030 program. I went to see a guy in the, so remember that, Agenda 2030. So I went to see a local radio guy here, and I said, this is being taught in the schools. He said, show me, Bob. I believe you. I see the news reports, but show me in black and white. And the Planned Parenthood, who's pushing this stuff, has gotten pretty smart. So they don't put anything in front of the, the teachers or the school board in black and white uh, that the parents can review, critique, and, and have an input on. So they have this broad mandate that you're violating the civil rights in this advisory opinion unless you do X, Y, and Z. So the teachers' union. And if you go to our Hawaii State Teachers Union, H HSTA, is loaded with trans stuff and loaded with how to address this and, and how to groom these kids, if you will, to go down a life of despair and heartache because that's what it is. And don't take my word for it. Take the former uh, head of John Hopkins School of Medicine uh, doctor, I think it's Paul McHugh. He recently retired. They were the leaders in transgender surgery, and then he stopped it for 25, 30 years. He said, it, it doesn't work. It's ridiculous. The suicide rate's just as high after the surgery as before, so it provides no relief. So give them counseling, have empathy, love them, give them counseling, help guide them. But this was like three-tenths of 1% of the population. Now we have 30% of kids ad identifying, 30% in recent surveys, identifying as something other than heterosexual. Well, uh, by the way, you can be anything in the sexual spectrum. You can be anything except except a former male homosexual. They don't exist, apparently. <laughs> no, you know, listen, you can be anything. In Texas, not far from where we live, it was reported that a child identified as a cat and they were forced to put a kitty litter box in the toilet. I mean, this doesn't even make sense. It's so unbelievable. But the Babylon Bee did an article. It said, increasing number of children identifying as uh, the community that the mainstream media most celebrates. Of course, right? If yeah. you're a young person, you know, I was just telling my kids, when I was 10, I was pretty convinced I was either Kalel or Achilles. I didn't know if I was sent here from another planet because it was about to explode and somehow 
a 16-year-old girl found me or if um, the, the goddess, uh, if, if, the, if the goddess Hera and Zeus made a child and it was me. I didn't know. I, I was one of the two. I was pretty sure of it. Like, and I'm 10. I'm 10 years old. I'm not even kidding you. I looked around. I said, I'm nothing like these people. I think I'm either a Greek god or a superhero. That's what I believed. I was 10 years old. Um, can you imagine if they gave me a cape and said, you are Superman. Now climb on that 10-foot building and leap off and live out your true identity. Um, and here we're telling young people who are most obviously confused with their sexuality as we have cell phones in their pocket that they're being bombarded with the most insane types yeah. of pornography. Absolutely. It's, you know, the, the, what is it? The algorithms just keep pumping it to them. That's why, as you know, I, I click on old cars. I have an interest in them. I get all these old car things coming to me because I clicked on it once or twice and scrolled through and checked them out. So they, they, they have that. Um, so, so they goes back to the world health organization and the United Nations are sexualizing children in primary education worldwide, right? And Jason, you've traveled the world and you've seen places where they have 10-year-old brides, right? It's just, yeah. this, this is not unusual in history for adult men to want to have sex with children. And I'll give you some recent example. Well, Jeffrey Epstein, of course, and all those fellas who were going to his place. Um, and then uh, go back to people we all know, Elvis. He married Priscilla when she was 14. She gave birth eight months later. Figure it out. Jerry Lee Lewis married his second cousin who was 13. And it caused quite a bit of scandal. It ruined his career. But th this is not unusual. And so, it caused a scandal at a time when it was not unheard of. Like my grandmother got married at 16. My mother got married at 16. And um, so this was at a time when people got married much younger and it wasn't unusual for your a young girl to marry a much older man. And yet it was still scandalous with the Jerry Lee Lewis circumstance. Um, yeah. And they generally stay together. So the state of Hawaii, so how do I tie the United Nations? Okay. So the state of Hawaii has an office of planning and sustainable development. And on there, they said, we've adopted the 2030 agenda for sustainable development. Well, one of those, and, it, and we did pass it, Hawaii Revised Statute 2026. And number five in that goal is uh, gender equity, which no longer means girls have and boys both get the same amount spent on their locker room. No, no, no. This, this now is, um, this is, gives them the door for their social engineering, their, their uh, mandate through this. So this is what they're teaching the kids if you will. And there it's in writing that they, and I, I'm trying to, I want to quote it for you, but it's, it's in writing. They want to, uh, they say, provide your children with the uh, sexual tools that they need um, to, to have relations, to provide children, children and young adults. I want to read it here for you exactly what it says. Okay. Uh, I'm going to quote this learning objective. The state of Hawaii is a body by comprehensive sexual education is curriculum based process of teaching, learning about cognitive, emotional, physical, and social aspects of sexuality. It aims to equip children, children, emphasis added by me, children 
and young people with knowledge, skills, attitudes, and values that will empower them to realize their health, well-being, dignity, and develop social and sexual relationships. Children to develop sexual relationships. And the only thing you cannot teach in that course clearly is the one thing that will ensure all of that, which is teaching that sex is the marital act, that it's meant to be saved till marriage, that the purpose of sex is to create life like the purpose of getting on a train to Chicago is to end up in Chicago and to unite couples together for the care and nurturing of the life that they create. That cannot, I guarantee you, is not allowed to be taught in that class. Yeah, absolutely correct. They've, in fact, in 2015, the state of Hawaii passed set comprehensive sex ed for K through 12 before it was intermediate, right? And we were there with parents and we outnumbered the proponents of it by about 50 people. The vote was 150 to 100. And there was no curriculum. There were no standards. There were no milestones, no goals, nothing to, for us to evaluate other than this statement. And we said, no. There's, at that time, there wasn't even any curriculum in the United States to teach children this young. But we passed it anyway. Uh, and it was just tragic. The preponderance of the testimony and support came from Planned Parenthood of the Northwest, mainland people, sending an email testimony to teach our kids sex ed, which is not sex ed. It's this sexuality education through kindergarten through 12th. I've got my These mainland people care so much about the children of Hawaii that when the only university that partnered for testing the dangerous morning after pill on its students was the University of Hawaii. No other university in America would expose the young women to the experiments with the morning after pill. It was the University of Hawaii, which is striking because the birth control pill, um, they did that in Puerto Rico. And the morning after pill, they did it to the students of the University of Hawaii. And these same people care so much about our keiki, the the children of Hawaii, that... uh, no, they're terrible. And, and to dovetail on your point, Pono Choices was a sexual experiment. It was classified. So they needed- And for the folks, just- and most of our audience obviously is, Hawaii is a huge audience of the show, but most of our audience okay. obviously is in the United States and around the world. Pono means righteous. So they, they named this program righteous. teaching perversity, pedophilia, grooming. Literally says, don't tell parents when they ask you about this. It's in there, right, Bob? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. They teach you to keep secrets about sex um, so that, you know, you're telling students, shush. Yeah, that's what you want groomers to, you know, God forbid. Yeah. You have adults telling your kids sex is a secret. Hmm. Um, well, and they it, use the word righteous it, to sell it. Exactly. You hit on nail on the head. We, in my one of my rebuttal reports, I copy the testimony of an FBI official at the time who said this is what sexual predators do to groom children. Boom, 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 boom. It's exactly what we do in the program, as you said. Uh, Tell the children that everything is okay. There's no such thing as a bad sexual behavior. Fully omit the risks of any of these behaviors. And and, uh, you don't have to tell anybody. And if you want to have sex, it's up to you. Nobody else, not your parents, not your friends. You don't let anyone tell you how to control your body. You're autonomous at eight years old, at 10 years old. Uh, 
so it was terrible. By the way, three three words, three phrases that your listeners need to know mean nothing. Mean nothing. When they're arguing with someone about this and they say, well, this material is age appropriate, medically accurate, evidence-based. Those three catchphrases. Oh, age-appropriate. Well, it must be age-appropriate. Medically accurate. Okay, well, well, no. The person who determines that is the hack at Planned Parenthood who writes the program. Not a doctor. A 24-year-old master in public health coming out of Berkeley trying to get their doctorate. They have no medical. Uh, they're not a child psychiatrist. They're not a child family therapist and a medical doctor, a pediatrician, obstetrician. You would think you'd have a whole panel convened of yeah, experts. These, yeah, these are the, they say the anus is a genital. They say that the biological begin, uh, beginning of the human life is birth. And they want to talk to us about medical accuracy? Yeah. It is the, well, as you know, Planned Parenthood is evil. And they're the guys pushing this. So the average mom who testifies, when confronted with an elected official in their suit and tie, uh, like I used to be, and and they say, well, Mrs. Smith, the, the administration says this is medically accurate and age appropriate. What is your problem with it? Well, I don't think it is. Well, we have, you know, this is, this is our department. It's in compliance with state statute umpty frats. It's baloney. No matter how thin or thick you slice it, it's baloney. Their Planned Parenthood wants to sexualize your children. And, they, and this is where this trans stuff is scary. Because it's not the trans is not the end. The end is to obliterate or have the age of consent ignored, so adults can prey on children, and children can be used as sex objects. And that is what's happening. We are we are grooming the kids to be sexually active at ten, eleven, nine, and and parents have no rights because the kid has a constitutional right to their own sexual autonomy. And that, of course, dovetail, that comes out of the whole abortion argument that you fought for many years. In Hawaii, there's no parental consent, no parental notification. So an 11-year-old girl who's been abused, let's say, for, by her father, goes, gets an abortion, dad takes her in, nobody asks any questions, she's back in two more months because dad keeps abusing her. Yeah. And they, Planned Parenthood never reports it. A tragic case uh, many years ago of the young girl on the Big Island who went to got RU46, and when her parents went to wake her up in the morning, um, it looked like she was wearing a, wet, a red dress because uh, she bled out, and it, it fanned out uh, down her legs and across her body and her sheets, and she was dead. And her parents never yeah. even know she went and had this dangerous medical procedure. And, Bob, when yeah. I was oh. at college, you met me when I was a college student. I was a young libertarian. I was... Uh, no, in no way is, you know, Hawaii's a small place and the capital was a small place and I worked there. Yeah. I think it's fair to say I had a reputation of not being a Puritan. Is that fair to say? Well, I think people were afraid you were going to kick their butt with your kickboxing skills. Well, uh, Mitch Kale certainly was. <laughs> no, but I mean, I wasn't, I was not a Christian. I was pro-life, but I was not, well, you know. And I just... I just, I just knew in those days you were dedicated to stopping abortion 100%. and need a haircut. Those and I, need, I remember the did. first time I met you, you're like, you're chairman of the college Republicans, cut your hair, you look like a hippie. But I, you know, I, but I remember as a young college student, uh, I considered myself a libertarian. This is how I went from being a libertarian to a conservative. A college professor who was 
a faculty advisor to our libertarian club. I was, I was chairman of the College of Republicans, but I founded a libertarian club. Little L, not big L. And the professor, okay. I'm not going to say his name. He's quite famous, actually. And uh, we're at a picnic. And something about age of consent laws comes up. And I said, yeah, I'm fighting. They're trying to age, uh, lower the age of consent laws to, to 12. And he looked at me shocked. And he said, I can't believe how you support age of consent laws and call yourself a libertarian. I said, wait, what? You don't think that the state has an interest in protecting children from sexual predators? He goes, oh, now you sound like a conservative that the state rep exists for the common good. Well, we believe that there should be no state or very small. Da, da, da. I said, and then I pointed it. I said, well, you think a child can consent to sex? He goes, yes. He had a seven-year-old at the picnic, and I pointed his daughter who was across the way playing. I said, if I... If I had a relationship with your daughter in exchange for candy bars, would that bother you? And this lunatic looks me in the eyes and says, I would have hoped I raised her better than that. She was seven. Oh, she was seven. This is the kind of insanity that we're dealing with where people really believe. And this is why I wanted to have you on. We were just chit-chatting together on the phone as you were driving your wife to work. Uh, and I was racing to the dry cleaners and we were talking and you told me, that the real goal of all of this is to completely eliminate age of consent laws, which is yeah. absolutely unbelievable to me. Or render, or the politicians see have no courage, as you know, being around them as you have, and so, so they just will leave it on the books, but they won't enforce it. You know, and you get these guys like Bragg in New York City. He's probably not enforcing any age of consent. He's tracking down Trump to the ends of the earth, but he's not enforcing age of consent, I'm pretty sure. And then if you add the racial component in there, forget about it, right? I mean, this is this is the stuff we're dealing with. It is demonic. We are turning parents and children against each other because the kids are there. You're creating a cultural conflict in the home. You're a world traveler. You've been over to the Middle East. You You know the way the world works. So in Hawaii or any other state, if you had a 30% Muslim population, I can guarantee you that every meal would, would not have pork. It would be excluded from the menu. You wouldn't have pork hot dogs. You'd have turkey dogs. You'd have turkey bacon. They wouldn't that accommodation for the Muslim population because well, I don't know, Bob. I was just in, I was just in Qatar, and I was pleasantly surprised that at the buffet there was bacon. <laughs> So, so I was pleasantly surprised, but no, but, but here's the thing you, you even talk about, um, but culturally, yeah, this is the, I really believe that the rainbow flag is the instrument of, of cultural imperialism and colonialization around the world today. It is the damage that it's done at home is collateral damage. The real damage that is meant to be caused with this rainbow flag, LGBTQ plus ideology is to disrupt vulnerable political communities for exploitation. And so you see across Africa or in Afghanistan, this ideology was shoved down the throats of those folks. Um, but of course, Saudi Arabia, they're not going to uh, ever, there's never a peep from anyone that Saudi Arabia, you know, every Friday kills people with same-sex attraction who are caught committing homosexual acts. This is never going to Disney. I didn't know that. Disney I, I changes its fans. Disney changes its movies, you know, uh, when it goes into certain countries. So where they know there's no ability to disrupt or exploit, their, or in China, you know, of course, China is 
very aggressive in cracking down on homosexuality and homosexual activism, as of course is Russia. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, we are dividing our own families. We're creating division around the world. Um, and we don't, we use it yeah. for in, in aid. If these countries around the world, Bob, that are facing starvation and hunger don't comply to this nonsense, they don't get aid. And yes. dur- during the war in Iraq, when I was traveling with the Peshmerga, I met with a, a very influential woman from a, a small minority community and asked her if she ever got to meet with the State Department. And she said, I did. And her ethnic community was being wiped off the face of the earth in the middle of a genocide, a very small, very vulnerable community that had been in that part of the world since prehistory was being wiped off the face of the earth. The U.S. State Department said, we are focused on LGBT issues right now, not ethnic or racial issues. So they're being wiped off the face of the earth, but that's not an interest to the U.S. State Department. When I was in, we're still in Afghanistan, when Afghanistan was collapsing, can you believe this, Bob, that we were contacted by people that worked for these quote-unquote alphabet groups, these LGBT groups in Afghanistan. Of course, when the U.S. cut and run, these groups cut and run, abandoning their own people. We rescued them. They, they don't care about real people suffering real problems. Um, we're, we're self-obsessed. We're decadent. Uh, the left is advancing the most self-obsessed, decadent, narcissistic crap well, the world is looking to the United States for leadership on real problems, and we're out to lunch. In, in uh, there's an LBGT activist, uh, S. Bear Bergman, and Jay Wallace, and they had put together this reading list back in 2015 uh, for to break gender stereotypes. And Bergman, the activist, publicly admitted, and I quote. I have come to indoctrinate your children into my LBGTQ agenda. And, and I put this in a report and nobody covered it because it was bulletproof. Everything that's footnoted, right? Uh, another fella, a, a guy named uh, Daniel Vareal in 2011, 2011, 10 years ago, when Queerity.com said, quote, we want educators to teach future generations of children to accept Queer sexuality. In fact, our future, our very future depends on it. He bluntly stated, quote, recruiting your children, question mark? You bet we are. This is in their own words. This is in their own words from these activists. Uh, And, you know, Jason, I sent this out and not one person covered it, not a peep. And I wrote it somewhat inflammatory because I wanted to get some coverage on it. And quoting these guys on what they've said, hey, they said they're going to indoctrinate your kids. They said they're coming to recruit your kids. Sure enough, they are. And uh, you just don't take my word for it. Take their words for it. Bob, when did this happen? You know, I remember when I first started getting involved in politics with you in the 90s. In Hawaii, of course, the media was dominated by the left. But we could always get an op-ed placed in one of the two newspapers there, or the weekly. And... Um, oh. No more. When did that change? It, I think when it it took a remarkable turn to the left when a fellow by the name of Lee Weber left the paper, and that was around 2012, 2013. He he uh, he he was the publisher, and he left. It, interesting. Even though Obama was from Hawaii, uh, I know against McCain in 2008. The paper did not endorse Obama. 
And this all started in two, 2009, Obama's first year of the budget. They scrapped uh, George W. Bush's abstinence-only funding for federal programs. So if you want federal money for sex ed, it was – and I say abstinence-only, it was abstinence-based. They still told you what a condom was and IUD and those other things, but they didn't stress it. They said, look, the only safe way to avoid catching a disease or getting pregnant is a local, local, a local Hawaii saying, try wait. Just try wait. And if you wait and delay the onset of sexual activity, all of the social indicators, job, education level, uh, your eventual success in marriage, when you finally do find that person, you have a higher likelihood of making it work and stick as opposed to young kids who, who get sexually active earlier. The, the, you know, we're beyond the sex ed program now, but it, Planned Parenthood fully omits, fully omits the elevated risk profiles. It does not articulate the elevated risk profiles for, certain, for all of these behaviors. They equate male-female reproduction as the healthy, wholesome, moral equivalent of male-on-male sex, and it's not. And when we passed same-sex marriage, it wasn't about health insurance. It wasn't about getting a, a, somebody to uh, be your beneficiary. It was to get the government to bless this behavior, which is what they did. And now, when you've taken out any notion of morality, anything goes. But going back to why they omit the information, I asked the people uh, supporting this when they testified, why do you omit the elevated risks of this behavior? Male-on-male you know, sex with another man, the HIV rates are 1,800 to 3,000% greater, depending on which report you read. 3,000 times greater. Uh, and this is dealing with the anus, of course. And, and they said, well, we don't want that behavior to be stigmatized. Huh? There's a reason it's stigmatized. It's unhealthy at best and deadly at worst. What are you talking about? Listen, you and I both have homosexual friends, family members. Let me tell your viewers a story, if you don't mind. No. Because they, they may think that, you know, who's this bigot, right? And my wife, when 1987, when we first got married, we were living with her cousin. We were broke. We had no money. We were living in a concrete cinder block hot box apartment sharing it with her cousin one day i walked out of the bedroom into the living room and there's a woman on the couch so i go back in and ask my wife who's that did your cousin george bring home some floozy last night and she said no that's leilani and i looked at her quizzically leilani she said tommy george's brother tommy's a fafa finge which is the Samoan word for transgender or transvestite at the time. And Tommy looked apart. Tommy had no place to go. So in 1987, before it was cool, I took this transgender guy in because he's my wife's cousin. He had no place to go. He's still dressing as a woman, acting as a woman. I remember the military guys would call. Uh, is Leilani there? And I go, yeah, hold on. Tommy, it's for you. <laughs> so and I told his brother... I said, he's going to get hurt. This is a tragic story. I said, he's going to get hurt. We move out, lose contact with him. I go in the Marines four years later. I come back after Desert Storm, and I'm watching the news. Male transvestite prostitute killed outside Schofield Barracks. African-American guy picks him up, 
for sex act, figures out he's a man and snaps. And the only reason I bring up the African-American part is because, okay, was it a hate crime against a transgender? No. Well, it was never prosecuted as a hate crime. If it was you or me doing it, it would be a hate crime. And that's where all this division and foot pitting each other against each other. That, I mean, it has its roots um, with the hate crime legislation. The, uh, uh, you know, all this stuff is just horrible. The sex ed in schools. <clears throat> well, one and of the then, things I've seen, Bob, that's really is amazing. They're just their voice is not allowed to be heard. Look, you and I are conservative yeah. Catholic white guys, right? We are. We are. Right. We're that's who we are. So, but it's been striking to me the loud outcry from that community against all of this. But they are not. Yes. It's just like black conservatives. Uh, it, what did Biden say? Hey, boy, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Okay, that's interesting. Or when he said, yeah. you can't even go into it. You can't even work at a 7-Eleven unless you uh, have a silly accent. That was Biden. Um, Indian accent. Indian accent, yeah, that's what he said. So. This, this is what we're, we're dealing with here. You know, so black conservatives can't have a voice. Latino conservatives can't have a voice. And then people who come from this quote-unquote community, whatever, because they, they, that's how they divide us. Hawaii's been interesting. Or, and, and Polynesia, right? Joe Jordan, who was a lesbian, who stood up to the Rainbow Mafia, and then they sought to remove her from office, said, you know, look, Polynesians don't need radicalized white people from the mainland to tell us how to deal with these issues. We have been dealing with this fine for hundreds of years. Um, That's correct. It, so you want to talk well, a little bit about that, Bob, how that, you know, have they been successful in radicalizing people in Hawaii? It just seems like we'd be a hard community to radicalize, but maybe we're just apathetic and we let them, we don't pay attention, we trust, we don't want to be the tallest uh, flower in the field. Yeah. Well, I would take it to the. Uh, I can't. I can speak generally about the Polynesians. I can speak specifically uh, about the Samoan culture because I'm married to my beautiful bride. Um, but, but it's accepted. You know, there's certain people that behave certain ways. They don't celebrate it, if you will. Uh, but it's. Uh, 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 yeah, they, they don't celebrate it, but it's accepted. And of course, it's always uh, male going to female in uh, in the Polynesian culture, generally speaking. And uh, very few uh, females try to act as males. So that's a dynamic, yeah. So if it, and it's of course not genetic. It's it's uh, it's a behavior issue now. That evidence is clear in that. The left has abandoned any notion, I think, of it being genetic because transsexual, pansexual, genderqueer, gender questioning, uh, all that nonsense, and that's what it is, nonsense, um, is is uh, not really take place here, if you will. Uh, but but the, Poly the Hawaiians, it's a little different. Uh, I don't know as much about the Hawaiian culture, but they do have what they call mahus which were guys who dressed up as women, you know, the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world. And they would generally, uh, I mean, you would, as you know, you'd find them in Hotel Street, prostituting. That was their life. And uh, my view on all these people is have empathy for them, love them, they're, they're made in God's image, but get the counseling that they need because gender dysphoria 
is apparently a really painful uh, uh, affliction, but only three tenths of one percent uh, ever have to deal with it beyond uh, puberty. So, because they of course grow out of it. So, what is the the point of this? Well, that's something, Bob. Hold on, real quick. So. Less than 1% of people with gender dysphoria deal with this past puberty. So uh, where can I find that's an interesting study. That's, so, that's an, so that means that gender dysphoria in puberty is, is pretty common. Yeah, kids often uh, are confused. Growing up, you feel clunky. But the expert on this, and I'll give you the expert, is Dr. Miriam Grossman. Just go to her website. She's a child psychiatrist. Ivy League graduate. She is one of the good ones. She she was at UCLA for about a decade uh, helping the students with their sexual issues. And, you know, she, she I'm just parroting what she says. Because I, she's I bet she's expert. not a conservative either, is she? Uh, I, I don't know. She's, she is uh, an Orthodox Jewish person, though. Uh, because I wanted to bring her out, and she says, look, I need kosher meals. <laughs> that was one of the things. And so I'm trying, okay, in Hawaii, where can I get a kosher meal, right? I can get you chicken, uh, cow, pu- I'll cow, tell you cow, where. cow chicken. There is, there's only one kosher store. Uh, it's in, it's in uh, Kalihi. Of all places, a young woman who's a friend of mine moved there from Jerusalem to make it possible for, oh, really? for Orthodox Jews to move, move to Hawaii, so she wanted to start a grocery store. So... But, you know, you look at Camille Paglia or Naomi Wolf and all these people that were considered pioneers, feminists on the left have been shoved to the right. Can you believe that now we're on the same team as Paglia and Naomi Naomi Wolf? Wolf? And um, Bill Bill Mars is being pitchforked and prodded and attacked by the woke mob in our direction. They gave us Joe Rogan. They gave us Dave Chappelle. Uh, They're giving us all the comedians that are funny. Um yeah, And I think they're giving us all the people that really are just care about people. They care about people. What I always respect about you, Bob, was, I mean, I felt you were almost reckless in your courage to fight this nonsense. And um, you would be the only one standing up against things that were so unbelievable that when you challenged them, you seemed kind of nuts, right? Like when you would hold yeah. your press conferences and have to explain to the voters of Hawaii that they were trying to teach their children that again, you might want to turn it down for 10 seconds. If your children are listening, you, you, you know, they, they would teach our children that the anus was a reproductive organ. Well, the fact well, that you, you had know, to do that is unbelievable. It just, it's crazy. What, what's interesting, Jason is the, so the media now the way they address it is, I'll put out a fresh release and I'll articulate in that release what they're teaching the kids. Graphic terms using unfiltered Marine Corps language. This is what they're teaching your children. Boom, boom, boom. And they don't print it. So why don't they print it if they can teach the children? They're not saying I'm lying. No one's ever accused me of lying. They'll call me names. You're crazy. You're a bigot. You're a hater. Uh, And, you know, I had two open homosexual guys work for me. And one of them, it's an interesting story, was a Democrat who ran against me. He lost in the primary, uh, in the Democratic primary. After I won, he came to me and he said, Bob, can, can I have a, a job? And I said, geez, Joe, uh, 
you know, my staff, I don't have much money left. The staff is kind of already picked. He said, Bob, you don't have to pay me much money. I just want the health insurance. You see, I've got HIV. And I said, well, Quest, which is our public health, they, they'll give you insurance. He says, yeah, but it, I can't get all the tests I need without huge co-pays. And I said, okay, let me think about it. I brought him on staff. Uh, I paid him minimum wage, but he got the Cadillac Healthcare, right? Because he ostensibly was going to put in 20 hours a week, which is the law here in Hawaii. Was this the gentleman that lived on the other side of the island that I went with you to his house once? No, but he was the other gay. That okay, was, okay. Uh, he died of HIV. Oh, yeah, well, I, a mysterious viral infection. I knew that he had died. This guy, yeah. Yeah. This guy, I hired him. He probably showed up to work five days with out of the uh, six months. And he was sick all the time. And sh- shortly after the legislative session, the poor guy died. And I get called a bigot by these newspaper guys who have no clue. They don't know. And uh, that's what hurts me. You know, living with a transgender, hiring homosexual guys, right? Oh, you're a bigot. Well, Bob, well, you're we just, no, you're just, like that. here's <laughs> the thing, Bob, you're just Hawaii. Like, here's the, the thing for people listening. Hawaii is the, it's why Hawaii became the laboratory for radical ideologies for the left. It's not that the people of Hawaii are left. It's the most conservative state with the exception of maybe Louisiana, I believe, and the union. Yeah. Culturally. Yeah. But it's a very charitable, hard to radicalize, hard to divide our community. Um, so it's it breaks my heart that they maybe found a, a way that they can't divide us vertically, so they'll divide us horizontally. They're not gonna be able to divide us. Hawaii has this reputation of maybe having racism, but it's it, it it's only from the outside. When you're on the inside, um it's 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 like a, a, a tight knit family that 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 ribs each other all of the time, so they can't yeah, they, they exactly. can't divide us vertically. So they're going to come in and aggressively try to divide us horizontally, separating our children from the parents and well, grandparents. Parents. So they're creating a cultural conflict in the home by telling their kids things that are not true, that are inaccurate, and uh, they're. So I'm trying to figure out how can we. Uh, fight back on that because when it's a federal mandate and they're taking the money and there's nothing to vote on, right? There's no parents can go to the board of education, but there's no agenda item. It's just like a frog in the hot water. It's just there. And the older teachers are retiring, leaving. They're clearly not comfortable with this. And they've even told me this. Uh, I've just found out this summer that the federal DOE, the federal department of education is coming to Hawaii and going to have mandatory equity training. That's what they call it, equity training. That's how they get it. They don't kind of call it transgender training. They're going to call it mandatory equity training, which includes gender identity, uh, whatever you claim you are, which is such nonsense. Uh, and, and that is going to be mandatory for the teachers to attend. So that's how they're, they're, they're brainwashing these kids. And it's, and you watch it, and you say, "How is this? What doctor would cut off the the healthy organs of a child, the breast or the penis or the scrotum? What what doctor would do this? Uh, you know, it's criminal. It's absolutely criminal. 
I researched here in Hawaii. I could only find one guy. Uh, I used AI to find it. Only one guy's name came up as someone who does that surgery here. But you can rest assured, uh, Planned Parenthood, which is now the number one distributor of testosterone in the world, what does testosterone have to do with birth control? <laughs> right? They're sex hustlers. That's all they Unbelievable. are. Unbelievable. So we're shutting down their abortion business. So now they're pumping children filled with growth hormones. I remember when I was a kid, I was desperately always trying to get my hands on testosterone or Diana Ball or Decaturbalin, yeah. you know, for high school football. And it was very hard to get. And, um, and then, you know, you'd hear a news well, story about a high school kid in Alabama that got caught buying steroids. It was a national scandal. It was, we were shocked that young boys were taking steroids for football or MLB players were taking testosterone. And that was a big deal. Well, like, oh, Barry Bonds and, uh, and, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, but you know, inject that same drug into my 14 year old daughter. That's okay. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want major league baseball players taking this. It's just way too dangerous. But, um, here, here's my 14 year old daughter. Just, just, you know, give her 200 cc's of that right there in the buttocks. No, no problem whatsoever. Unbelievable. It's just the only and explanation, the, the only explanation is it's demonic. Or there are aliens that have hacked our brains. That's it. There's no, no it, other explanation. It's it's demonic. And Jason, to watch the educators and the politicians, like our two U.S. senators, uh, you know, uh, nod their head in agreement. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, like Mortimer Schnur, the old cartoon character. They nod their head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is good. This is good. Okay, if it's so good, why didn't you propose it 20 years ago? Uh, right. So when why did you, you propose when, this? This is why I said, for you woke mobsters listening, let me ask you a question. When did you discover there were two genders? And how did you discover? What did you read? What studies did you read? Uh, what interviews did you watch? Uh, um, documentaries? Or did you just conform thoughtlessly to the dictates of the mass media in corporate America? Bob, how is this that two years ago, Target already had I don't even know what to call them. They're what young women wear to hide their breasts. It's really unbelievable. To me, it's as disgusting as advocating bulimia to young young girls. So you're telling young girls who don't like their body, well, go down to the Target and we'll sell sports bras that basically I don't. It's like a girdle for your breasts. I don't know what you even call it. How is Target? It, you don't develop a product and mass distribute it to targets across the world overnight. This had to be several years in development. And then you tell us this all goes back to the, um, the UN uh, Project 2030. Who is behind that? Who is behind this well, UN they, Goals 2030? Well, that's how they're getting around all this stuff, correct? Right? So they, they're, they, they put stuff um, so parents... Hey, Bob, you... you did I lose you? So parents, no, I'm fine. I just have to, I had to move offices for a moment. So, are, you, are you driving Uber now? Are you delivering McDonald's? Well, I'm talking. Actually, I'm taking my mother-in-law to the bus station. All right. All right. Hello. So that's Talofa. Talofa. Okay. Sorry about that. So, so, so agenda 2030, right? So, it, you know, it goes back to these big money guys. I, you know, it's all demonic. First of all, who would in their good mind, their rational mind, promote something like this, right? I mean, 
why would anybody promote this? So it's uh, it's just demonic. Well, well, Bob, I thank you for having me on. I'm going to let you do your duty. I'm going to land this plane. Okay. And then maybe we'll have you come back on later and talk about immigration maybe next week or the week after. Yeah, absolutely. And the Ukraine war. I know you, you, you care about the vulnerable. Uh, 15.5 million have left the country and 5.5 million are displaced within the country. It's a human meat grinder. We got to stop the violence. Got to protect life. Yeah, there's, you know what? Thank you. I hope you run for Senate again or governor and um, maybe I'll be moving back home. All right, Representative, drive safe. Uh, okay. Take care, Jason. God, God bless. bless. All right, that was State Representative, uh, former State Representative Bob McDermott. He is leading the charge in Hawaii to protect Hawaii's children from this Agenda 2030. Why the United Nations is in the business of telling local school boards on what they should teach on sexuality to me is unbelievable. But see, this goes to this point that I've been making for months, that the rainbow flag is an instrument of imperialism and colonialism. And it is designed to disrupt communities so that they're broken apart and more easy to exploit. And one of those communities that they want to break down and exploit is your family. That's the goal. They want to divide you from your children. They want to, they want to break your family up into a thousand pieces so that you're lonely and you're, you're just, you find your self-worth in, 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 in consumption. And this is what it's about. The world is being colonized by the rainbow flag. And one of the things, this audience, the Jason Jones Show, I founded this podcast to find my tribe. About half the audience is outside the United States. And uh, you probably aren't going to find a, a podcast of this size with a more diverse audience. But the one thing we're committed is to protect the vulnerable from violence. So on the one hand, here at home, they're calling mothers that attend school board meetings domestic terrorists. The FBI, at the direction of the Department of Justice, is infiltrating Catholic churches because they fear that we are domestic terrorists. Well, they don't fear that we're domestic terrorists. What they understand is that they're going to keep pushing radical agendas, like making pedophilia socially acceptable, da-da-da. And they know that there'll be pushback from our community. So therefore, they're getting in place before there's the pushback. Obviously, you can't look at the Catholic Church and say we've been radical in anything ever in this country. If only. But they know that every community has a breaking point, and they probably figure we're pushing the Catholics to about theirs. We should set up shop there now uh, while we have a chance, uh, because sooner or later there's going to be pushback. So on the one hand, we're being divided from our children. Our families are being ripped apart. Our children are being maimed and brutalized. Remember when we were just obsessed at male genital mutilation? They're circumcising boys. Or we were scandalized rightly at female genital mutilation in some countries in Africa. We don't talk about that anymore. Well, how could we? Because we've become uh, the pioneers in mass genital mutilation. Um, so there we are. We're, we're dividing our own families. Um, but then we're giving young people the social justice junk food. We're making them narcissists that the only social issues that they can pay attention to have to revolve around their very own genitals. And so we have the children 
of the most prosperous country in the world, the most powerful country in the history of the world, the most influential nation state in the history of the planet, and our, pos- our children, who in 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years are going to be driving this ship, are being trained, being indoctrinated by our lunatics in our generation to become narcissists who see the only social justice movements that concern them have to do with their own genitals. That's just a fact. We have become capital city in Hunger Games. We are the fruitcakes with the weird hairdos and the decadent makeup, uh, you know, with the exotic pets uh, taking the monorail to the stadium to watch the Hunger Games. And we think we're good people because um, we're very nice to people that have the same kinks as we do, and we're, we treat our pets very well. So like when we go on vacations, we board our pets at the Ritz-Carlton of, bed, of pet boarding. And so we're good and kind people. Although, of course, our cell phones are made by slaves in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. We abandon Afghanistan to collapse into uh, chaos and mass starvation. Um, we, we use children in Africa to dig up rare earth elements to put into our woke electric vehicles with our coexist bumper stickers. Yeah, because we're wonderful people. That's all. That's all. It's just really unbelievable. If we escape this decadent trap... If, if we as Americans break free of our narcissism and begin to really order our political community around serving the vulnerable, children at home who are being ground up in the meat, um, meat grinder of this LGBTQ plus ideology, and, um, and if our foreign policy ceases to be so selfish, decadent, and reckless, maybe we can be a city on the hill again. America is definitely the, still the city on the hill, but our lights are off. It's ramshackle. It's um, drowning in meth and fentanyl. And the lights are off. The, rain, the, the U.S. flag has been lowered. The rainbow flag has been, is, is now flying above this collapsing city on a hill. What we need to do is rebuild the city on a hill, turn the lights back on, right? Build the walls around it, raise up the American flag, lower the rainbow flag, and once again be a bright, shining city on a hill that gives hope instead of some frightening freak show on a hill um, with no lights other than disco balls, a rainbow flag, and horrible music. All right, that's all. That's my rant. This episode has been brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world is left. Go to thegreatcampaign.org and check out our work. We are in the middle of our campaigns in Sudan to support the hundreds of thousands of refugees that are leaving the country. Um, you can check out our work in Sudan when you go to thegreatcampaign.org. We're continuing to do our work across Afghanistan and Nigeria. The world really is on fire, and our little organization is being drawn and quartered. But by God's grace and the generous support of our nonprofit, we've had some of the most productive weeks in the over 20 years history of this organization, just in the past couple of months, we've been able to meet all of the calls for support in Sudan, in Nigeria, in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan's neighboring countries where we support Afghans as they wait on their visas to be permanently resettled, as our our commitment to promote the incomparable dignity and beauty of the child in the womb in the United States and across the West. And you can be a part of all of that by going to thegreatcampaign.org and becoming a monthly donor. So 
Go to our website, thegreatcampaign.org. Check out our work. And if you are not blown away, and I mean, if you don't go, I've never seen an organization do so much. This is unbelievable. Um, if you don't say that this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen, don't donate. But if you're like, I'm blown away, become a monthly donor. Put your oar in the water and help us row. This episode is also being brought to you by Epoch Times. If you want to stay free, you have to stay informed. And the very best newspaper in the world by far is Epoch Times. Go to iReadEpoch.com. Use the code Jason Jones, and you get your first month for only a dollar. All right, that was former state representative Bob McDermott, maybe future governor or U.S. senator from the great state of Hawaii. And uh, it was great to have him on. All right, it's been another episode. Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Mm-hmm.